0: I'm back, baby, and you're listening to Tranny Rex 16.
1: Podcasting from Portland, Oregon, this is Tranny Rack.
0: Sister Paula, and what does Brokeback Mountain have in common with the Winter Olympics? Listen to find out! How the hell is everybody? My name is Rebecca Nay. Today is Sunday, February 19th, 2006. And of course, if you haven't already guessed it, you're listening to Tranny Rick, thank you for joining me. If you're listening on Trans FM or direct download or you're receiving this via podcast. Let's go ahead and get the show started by playing a song off the PodSafe Music Network. This is Boop Fairy by Deidre Flint.
2: When I was in my teenage years, I did just what I should. I listened to my mother, and I was kind and sweet and good. And my friends and I did rituals, and I prayed with all my might that this would be the evening that she'd stop along her flight. Well that was several years ago and that chick's long overdue And it's time I came to terms with something plainly clear to you The Boop fairy never came for me No, the Boop fairy never came for me Okay, I'm spunky and I'm cute and I've got a great personality The Boop fairy never came for me we were the third house on a country drive, I thought, maybe she just got lost. So I hung my bra on the mailbox, till the neighbors took it off. And all my friends got visits, and expanded through the years. And left me wailing to the gods buying training bras at Sears. Still I harbor hopes, she'll come for me, I know she will. Get 'em done myself if she'd agree to foot the bill The Boop fairy never came for me. No the boop fairy never came for me. Look, I wasn't wanting melons, just a cute curvaceous bee. But the book fairy never came for me. This isn't a song about boobs. Not really. The boobs are just a set of metaphors to symbolize everyone's fear of human inadequacy. Hey, We've all felt the pain of being dissed by one fairy or another. So during the next refrain, I want you to join in with me with your own fairy that never paid a call. Maybe it's the height fairy or the butt nymph. Men, maybe it's the pectoral or hair fairy. Or maybe some other fairy you just want to mumble about. Look, nobody's going to ask you to enunciate. And sisters, I don't want you feeling alienated right now because you happen to be full-figured. Just change the line to the boob fairy just wouldn't let me be or the boob fairy became obsessed with me. Okay, here comes the refrain. The boob fairy never came for me No, the book fairy never came for me Though the hip fairy came two times And the thigh fairy came three The book fairy never came for me That book fairy never came for me
0: That was Boob Fairy by Deidre Flint, of course, courtesy of the PMN, also known as the Podsafe Music Network. I want to put a call out for a new intro. I know there are a few of you on here that are musicians and uh, do do this kind of stuff. The reason I'm asking for a new intro is basically I'm kind of tired of the uh, absolute fifth mix which is basically it comes from a video game. Um, It's not pod safe and I what I basically what I want to do is have an intro and maybe an outro something to play at the end that can only be heard on Tranny Wreck. I don't want my intro to sound like a video game. I want it to be totally unique to Tranny Wreck And I know there are a lot of talented people out there, and uh, I would like your help. Send me an email, uh, trannyrec at gmail dot com. Let's go ahead and get into this interview with Sister Paula. It's about 20 minutes. The interview was recorded at the Portland Podcasting Meetup. Uh, I did have the mic too close to my mouth to make up for the background noise because I was afraid people wouldn't be able to hear the interview. It's almost as if I'm sucking on the microphone. So uh, I am aware of that. And But you'll still be able to hear what I have to say. And you'll definitely be able to hear what Sister Paula has to say. So uh, let's go ahead and get this started. I have uh, Sister Paula here with me. Sister Paula... It- self-identifies as a trans evangelist. She has her own cable access show here in Portland, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let her uh, explain uh, a little bit more about herself to you. So, Sister Paula, thank you for joining me on Tranny Rec. Well, you're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Sister Paula, my first question for you is... Uh, where are you from? And tell us about your childhood.
1: Well, I was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon, and um, in 1938. And I lived here most of my life, except for about 10 years during the 60s and the 70s. I lived in California, but other than that, I'm pretty much a native Oregonian. And um, my childhood—I don't know where where to start. One of my early memories of childhood. It was, you know, I was born in 1938, and I, I can remember from as far back as when I was four years old. I don't remember beh- beh- behind that, but I remember my dad, who was a longshoreman, I remember us going across the Ross Island Bridge, and this was during World War II, or right at the end of World War II. And, you know, Pearl Harbor was a big thing in the news then. That was in 1941. But they had effigies on the Ross Island Bridge. I remember this as one of my very early memories of childhood. They had effigies of Adolf Hitler and then the the Japanese general who um, led the attack on Pearl Harbor. I don't remember his name. But my dad always called it. Hitler, we're, we're going to, when we go downtown, go across the Ross Island Bridge, you know, my dad would say, we're going to see Hitler and the Jap. That was the term that he used, quote, unquote. And the term Jap was, was very affluent back in those days. That's totally unacceptable now. It should have been unacceptable then. But that was the term they used during World War II. But every day with these two effigies, they, they had sort of a board going out over the river. And they would move them out a little further and a little further until they went into the river. I, but I remember that distinctly. But that was, you know, in a young age, one of my first introductions to the evils of prejudice and bigotry was seeing those effigies of Hitler and the Japanese officer on the Ross Island Bridge. And when I, went, when I was five years old and, and went to um, Kellogg grade school in kindergarten, I remember being on the steps and the other kids pointing at me and laughing at me, and I had no idea why. But from that moment on, I always knew as I was growing up that I was different. I was always made fun of and harassed and persecuted and wherever you know we went to school. And um, when I was about seven years old, my dad and mother um, divorced. Later on, they both remarried. And... Um, then for a year or so, I lived on my, when I was nine years old, lived on my grandmother's farm in Sherwood. And then most of my childhood, grade school and high school, was kind of going back and forth from one side of the family to the other. You know, I would, um, have a, I would be with my mother and stepfather. We lived in Longview in Kelso, Washington for a, a, a while then. And, and um, I would have, a, you know, didn't get along with my stepfather. So then I'd go back and live with my father and stepmother and uh, but the last three or four years of high school is pretty much with my father and stepmother but i've always been made fun of and i've always known that there was something about me that was different but i didn't have a name to put on
0: that was my experience as well when i was growing up uh, you know, I when I uh, got older, I thought I was just uh, a gay male because I thought all gay males wanted to uh, be women. Uh, so, what what did you coin it at that time?
1: Well, the, in 1952, the publicity of the I'm not saying that Christine Jorgensen was the first male to female sex change but she was definitely the first one that was publicized that was known and that was when I was a freshman in high school I remember seeing that on television about the ex-GI who went to Denmark and had surgery and became a man and then Christine's story was published in three installments in the Sunday paper in that the magazine insert and when I read that Christine Jorgensen, who was George Jorgensen, who the first sex change, you know, came Christine. When I read that in the paper, it was like I was reading about myself. And so, and um, the term, I'm not sure if the term transsexual had been coined yet. Later on in the 60s, I went to Dr. Benjamin, who, um, when I started living as Paula, you know, who coined the word transsexual. That's, but... I, but then I knew that that was me. And the kids in high school kind of knew it, too. I was very religious in high school, went to church all the time.
0: That's what I was going to ask you about. Next is your religious beliefs, right. since you now identify as a trans evangelist.
1: Right. Well, when I was 12 years old, I was saved, found Christ as my Savior in the Baptist Church, Fowler's Baptist Church. And then and my dad didn't approve of that either. He had a son. Besides being a sis, he was a religious crackpot. And then in high school, I was involved in the Pentecostal Church. But it, but throughout high school, you know, when I was at my thirtieth high school class reunion in 1986, they remembered me as being very religious, but they also knew I was homosexual, and I never said or did anything, you know, to um, to give that impression. Just they just everybody instinctively knew because I was so innately effeminate. I didn't try to be effeminate; I just was, you know. And um, back then, they were very much well. You were a girl psychologically very definitely and everything that I innately and nationally wanted to do growing up I was told girls do that my dad was very unhappy because I didn't want to play football and in grade school they in the 7th and 8th grade they made me play football and I've hated it ever with a passion ever since and um, but now back then now that's changed today but back then girls took home ec and sewing and cooking in school boys took mechanical stuff shop you know and, and all of that and I wanted to take the cooking class. I love to cook. And my dad got, just hit the ceiling, and no way was he going to allow that. So I had to take the mechanical shop stuff. Because my dad always said, once you get out of high school and get into the Army, they'll make a man out of you, quote, unquote.
0: <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen with me. It worked like a charm.
1: Well, when I was drafted, they didn't take people who were gay then. And I told them, you know, and they didn't want me and I didn't want them. It worked out. It was one time in my life I was glad to be discriminated against. The guys made fun of me enough in the gym class in school without going through the Army. That would have been a literal hell on earth for me. But like I say, they didn't well, want to me. Be- I didn't want them.
0: Well, to be honest with you, you probably wouldn't have been around today had you gone in uh, just based on what you've told me so far about your life.
1: There, There's no question about that, you know, but I have known for years and years that God has protected me and I can go back over lots of things in my life and see where God's hand was on me and if it wasn't for that, um, for God's protection, I probably wouldn't be here today, you know, army or no army. And, um, but the thing of it is, I took the uh, mechanical thing, because my dad's assistant took shop and all that, you know, about doing mechanical stuff and woodwork, and I flunked it. It just wasn't me. I wasn't the least bit interested, you know. But um, I know one day I was walking down the hall when I a freshman in high school. Oh, and the, like I say, the publicity about Christine Jorgensen came out the male to female sex change and the boys all started teasing me and calling me i'd go down the hall hey chris they'd say and they called me christine and um and then that got back to my father and he got mad at me he called my mother and told her they were divorced you know and all that and she was very upset about it at the time and and i remember my mother said well why did they call you christine i said i don't know But they just kind of, you know, it was just so obvious. But I was walking down the hall one day when I was a freshman in high school, and I noticed them laughing and looking at me a little bit more than usual, you know. And then at lunchtime, I happened to take off my coat, and somebody with Scotch tape had stuck a sign on my back, and I was going around that said Fairy. And I was going around with that sign on my back, you know, for a good part of the day, for most of the morning, before I realized it. And, um... But you know when I was at my high school class reunion eighty six a couple of the my you know the kids that knew me said, "We were cruel to you, and that was the understatement of the year. I hated high school i couldn 't wait to get out of high school, but you know there was no uh, teenagers now know all about gays and lesbians and bisexuals and transsexuals and trannies and all that
0: i w- no- I would counter maybe with uh everything except for the latter i transsexuals are still pretty uh invisible compared to gay and lesbian people. At least that's my opinion.
1: Exactly. There's a lot of prejudice. Still, with all of the enlightenment in this day and age, there still is a lot of misunderstanding and prejudice and ignorance on transsexualism probably more than any other.
0: Well, the, you know, and yes, we do piggyback on the gay rights movement, but that causes a lot of people in the mainstream community to think, well... You know, you're a transsexual, so, you know, you must be gay as well. Uh, They don't understand the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. Do you mind uh, talking about your experience with those two issues and kind of where you sit in, in all of that?
1: Well, a lot of people also don't know the difference between a transvestite and a transsexual. And or, or the difference between transvestite, transsexual, and transgender. And they're all three totally different subjects. And I put myself in the classification of transsexual, even though I haven't had sex reassignment surgery. However, um, some, I've been, people give me arguments on that. These are accepting people, you know. That you're not a transsexual, they say. Although Dr. Benjamin, who coined the word transsexual, intended it to mean someone who feels that they're trapped in the wrong body that their psychological sex and their biological sex conflicts. With that definition, you're transsexual whether you've had the surgery or not. But I've had people say to me over the last 20 years, you know, a transsexual is someone who has either had sex reassignment surgery or they're preparing for it. And, um, and I, I had a big fight one time with my hairdresser a couple of years ago about that when he said, aren't you a transvestite? And I said, no, I am not. But anyway, he did make a good point, though. He said um, the term transgender, he said, say you're transgender then. And uh, because uh, transgender is above the belt. I, I, I see that.
0: The well, yeah, I see that as an umbrella term.
1: Right. I like the term trans as an umbrella t- term. When I first started doing the cable access television ministry, I was you know billed as the drag evangelist and I didn't like that term in 1996 strange universe did a piece on me and called it the trans evangelist and I thought that's perfect I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of that that myself when 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 did you go full-time in May the 1st 1963 I changed my identity from Larry to Paula I was living in Oakland, I moved across the bay to San Francisco, didn't take any boys clothes with me, and started in four inch heels, walking up and down the hills of San Francisco looking for a job as Paula. And my employer, the last employer I would had as Larry, was supportive of me and gave me a reference as Paula to, to help me get started. The very, and that was in 1963, as I said. And the first job that I had was as a claims secretary in an insurance company. And at that time, I sang in the choir as Paula at the Glad Tidings Assembly of God Church in San Francisco. And my friend Laura, who was a transsexual friend of mine, her and I were going doing this at the same time. She said, you are, after I've been living as Paula for a while, she said, you are doing the things as Paula that you tried to do as Larry. And when I started going to church and working as Paula, where they had no didn't have the slightest idea, for the first time in my life, I knew what it was to be accepted and not merely tolerated. And um, So anyway, I started to say something else, and you know I'm 67 years old, seeing your moments, you know, I can' remember what happened 30 years ago, but couldn't tell you what happened yesterday. <laughs>
0: Tell me about what led to uh, Sister Paula as a trans evangelist and how the uh, Cable Access show got started.
1: Oh, sure. Well, that started in the late 80s. I often say Sister Paula is kind of a combination of all my life's experiences blended into one. And all the various experiences I went through, I had to go through before I would be ready to um, be Sister Paula on television. But I, you know, when I, when I was in high school in my summer months, I went to Bible school. I was, I've been involved both as Larry and as Paula in churches. I've studied the Bible for years. And then in the 80s, from start 1980, for about, um, oh, at least 15 years, I guess, I performed as an entertainer at Doris Hill's emulating sophie tucker the last uh, the red hot mama at darcells i was there i'm retired from that now but at darcells i was there as an entertainer on television as sister paula i'm there as a preacher of the gospel but the show business training that i got from darcell and roxy at at darcells was every bit as much of god's preparation for the personage of sister paula as the biblical training was it was all combined into one and um... Um, I was, God called me when I was 12 years old and was saved to be an evangelist. And I've always felt a call to preach, I've never questioned it. I was involved in the 70s and early 80s at Metropolitan Community Church of Portland. I was the church secretary for five years, which was a gay and lesbian church and outreach to gay people. But when I preached there, my frustration was I felt I was preaching to the choir. And then when I found out there was such a thing as public access television where anybody can produce their own show, I thought, this is the medium now. You know, and I'd had all these years of show business training, of the Bible training, and now, you know, I can, you know, through cable access television people, and I hear from every type of person in all walks of life you can think of on my program, and I know as a fact from the feedback I've gotten over the years that these Baptists and fundamentalist Christians are listening to me on television whereas they wouldn't go across the street to hear me if there was an ad in the paper, you know, that I was preaching someplace. So that is the audience that I'm reaching and when they see me as an open transsexual with the anointing, they uh, Pentecostal always recognizes another Pentecostal and when they, rec- they recognize the same anointing that their pastor has in the same gospel, a lot of the evangelicals now are starting to rethink the, the sexuality issues. There's still a lot of prejudice and bigotry and homophobia there, don't misunderstand me, but there are more and more now evangelicals are becoming more accepting of gay people the best example i could give that is tammy faye baker you know jim and tammy faye she's very accepting of gay people and when she had an mcc a gay minister on her tv program you know who was healed from aids she got all kinds of flack from the church world around her but I saw her recently on Larry King Live, and she was very accepting to, to gay people. So the statement I'm making, the fact, I, I do talk about sexuality sh- issues on the television show, but I'm basically on the television show as a preacher of the gospel. And the, just the fact that I am preaching the gospel, being who I am, that in itself makes a statement, you know, and, and you know, that God loves and accepts everybody. The scripture emphatically says that man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart, and the person that will judge us someday is the person that knows our thoughts and motivations, and even though church people might not understand where I'm coming from, I know that God knows, and God accepts me, and that is a knowledge that nobody can take away from me.
0: Amen to that, sister. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned to me that your show has not only been seen in uh, Portland in the Northwest area, but in other areas.
1: Yeah, it was on in Seattle for a few years. There was a man up in Seattle, John Applegate, who produced a show up there called Gaze for Jesus, and uh, and. He, I would send the tapes of my shows up to him and he'd air them there in Seattle. In some cities in public access, they have to be sponsored by a local person. And then he'd send the tapes of his shows down here and I'd have it aired in Portland. And then when I went into a, a church conference, a gay Pentecostal church conference in Texas, somebody there from L.A. heard about me and I started sending shows down to them and I went down there and was on their show. And so for about three or four years, I was doing shows on... Um, It was called Century Cable then in Santa Monica and at West Hollywood Public Access and Media One, which was in Hollywood. And West Hollywood, of course, you know, is a high gay population. I got tremendous response from there. And uh, the one city that I would love to be on is in San Francisco. I know I would have a following there. When Strange Universe did the piece on me, that's a national and international show then, they said that the night that I was on, their ratings in San Francisco jumped way up and they just knew it was because of me, you know. And I'd love to get on, expand the ministry, get on into these big cities because people are the same everywhere. Human need is the same everywhere. And people are responding. To um, to it here on a local public access, it's worked, you know, it would definitely work, you know, on a, on a larger scale. If there's
0: a listener uh, that uh, does public access in their city, how would they get your show on their station?
1: I would send them tapes or whatever of it, and then they would turn them in. It would be their responsibility to turn them into their local channel as the producer.
0: Would, would you mind giving out that information?
1: Yeah, how they can they can either email me or I have a post office box. Okay. And the post office box is 2206 Portland, Oregon, 97208. And the email address is Sister at Yahoo dot com. And it's very important that you spell the last name correctly, N-I-E-L-S-E-N. Or like I say again, the post office box is two two oh six. Portland Oregon 97208 and if, the, if someone's interested in the, the Sister Paula shows being aired in their city I, I, would, we, I would talk to them or my producer would talk to them and I'm on here in Portland um, Thursday nights on channel 11 at 11 o'clock public access and also on uh, tuesday nights at 8 p.m and friday nights at 10 30 p.m on channel 21 i kind of like to stress though the channel 11 that's the big covers a lot bigger area you know in the local metropolitan area and channel 11 at 11 is easy to remember sister paula thank you for being on the show oh you're more than welcome and i'd love to do this again sometime well, I'll tell you what, Tranny Rick listeners, uh, Sister Paula is going to be starting
0: a podcast very soon. I appreciate your time tonight.
1: Right, and thank you very much for having me on. I'm very honored and very flattered. And I've only heard about this, the podcasting in the last two weeks. I didn't even know there was such a thing.
0: Well, you're going to hear all about it, and uh, you're going uh, to get a lot more fans through this medium. Well, it
1: reminds me when I first heard of Public Access. I thought, aha, now I have the medium to fulfill my calling.
0: And fulfilling her calling, she is. I will certainly let you know as soon as that podcast is up and available. We haven't played a song by Georgie Jessup in a while, so this is called Devil's Child. It's on her new CD, Woman in a Man Suit, which you can find on cdbaby.com.
3: The power of God is going to track you down and send you straight to hell.
4: That's not love. I will not have a man wearing a dress in my courtroom. That's not love.
3: Oh, my God. Hey, hey, dude. Is that a man or is that a woman? That's not love. Have a man wearing a That's dress. That's not love. I will
4: not. That's not love. Oh, my God. Hey, back you me. down and send you straight to hell. Preacher man tells me life and sin By having same sex Not the same sex as him If that's not love Then I'm the devil's child If that's not love Then I'm the devil's child I see no evil I see love But that's not love And that's not love Maria's love, Louise going on 55 years But they cannot get married Some senator said That's queer If that's not love Then I'm the devil's child If that's not love Then I'm the devil's child I see no evil I see love But that's not love And that's not love How come boys like her don't cry? When he can't find an answer, he turns it to a hate crime. If that's love, I'm the devil's child. If that's love, I'm the devil's child. I see evil. That's not love. And that's not love. That's not love. And that's not love. That's not love.
5: says you need four lips to be oppressed Cause I've been put down with the lace of the dress That I've been dying to wear since second grade And babe, trust me, I am a real girl And some have said that God has made Adam and Eve It's one of those binary gender kind of things But if that's what you believe in You have to understand that she came from his ribs So that makes you just as much of a man as I am The only difference is I fought for my womanhood Cause I'm fighting for it now as you stare me into the ground Make me feel like two inches tall So I'll pull my high heels out, the ones that you forgot about, because I still think they make me look cute. And who says you need four lips to be oppressed? 'Cause Because I passed the test with flying colors, did actually better than most mothers and daughters and women in general. That's because I went to class and I took the notes and I studied my ass off just to pass. And I think the real problem here, is that, problem here is that you finally understand that it's not a thing between women it's and men. That it doesn't men. matter if you have a plus, a, you a plus or a minus that to be equal. That it doesn't matter equal. to have a push or a, pole to get get a push or pull to get hurt. Just and most of all, the one say. thing that I learned is you don't, don't need to be a man to be a dick, sweetheart. What you just
0: heard following the song by Georgie Jessup was a poem by Vanessa Marie Spitzer called Four Lips. You can find uh, all of her material on her website, myspace.com slash Vanessa Marie Spitzer. There will, of course, be a link in the show notes. I had an experience last weekend when I was uh, down in Roseburg, Oregon. Uh, we were in the uh, arcade in the Roseburg. Roseburg Valley Mall. Alex was playing his game and I was hanging out with his family playing pool. And uh, well, let's just say I got clocked. For those of you that are not familiar with that term, that basically means that, that some young girls uh, who were at the pool table next to where I was playing pool with Alex's brother, uh were making fun of me. Uh they were making terms using references. <laughs> That's a gay man. <laughs> what a fag and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I could have said something which could have made the situation even worse because they had their boyfriends there. But, you know, I chose to just ignore them. Uh, you know, a couple of times I looked at them and smiled. You know, I, I you know, I chose to ignore it because when you're in a place like uh, Roseburg, and not an indictment against Roseburg. Any small town in America is like this for a non-passable trans person. Uh, You know, you have to walk on eggshells. However, I I do have to say that uh, Alex's brother and her girlfriend, they were pissed because I'm family to them. And these punk little kids, in their mind, were messing with family. And uh, so I'm very thankful of that. I mean, I'll be honest with you if Alex's family knew that I was HIV positive, I have the feeling that they would do everything in their power to break us up. And I don't, when I say everything, I do mean everything, you know, and believing that or feeling that. Uh, does create a wall of separation between myself and Alex's family because I would like that feeling to be wrong but I don't think I am Uh, with that said you know that wall of separation was broken down a lot last weekend knowing that you know they don't understand me completely but they were ready to scrap for me and that made me feel really good so, I, I wanted to share that with you, and I thought the poem, Vanessa's poem, was a very appropriate lead in to that very scary experience down in small town America. Uh, real quick, uh, I just want uh, to. I, I do have another uh, interview, so to speak, to play on the show, but uh, I just want to share with you what's happening, uh, what's been going on over the last two weeks. I, I just shared with you the. Uh, Scary little uh, experience in Roseburg. Um, Because I haven't done a show in two weeks, it doesn't mean I haven't been doing anything. I have actually been working my ass off on trannyrec.com. If you uh, haven't visited my website lately, I would uh, encourage you to visit it now as you're listening to this if you are sitting in front of a computer. Um, Trannyrec.com, basically what I did is I got rid of the frames. Uh, I experimented with frames for a while and I found that I hated them. I also got rid of the Podcast Alley vote button. Uh, I realized that the only people that go to Podcast Alley are podcasters. And, you know, we need to get exposure towards people that need to listen to that show. I also removed the Yahoo group. Uh, but what I found is the Yahoo group has been fairly unsuccessful. The only people that want to join my Yahoo group are basically tranny chasers and that's a pretty common experience for a lot of Yahoo groups out there that have the term tranny or transsexual or transgender. What I'm going to do instead of a a, a Yahoo group is I'm going to create a forum and uh, that will be coming soon. I've also added a Frapper map onto the webpage, it's right there on the front page. I would encourage all of you to add yourself to my Frapper map. I would like to know, number one, how many people are listening to this show on a regular basis, but also where you're from, and uh, Frapper will give you an opportunity to find out if there are any other training wreck listeners in your area. I think it's kind of cool, so go add yourself. Um, I'm working on the the bio, uh, Radio 101, and humor pages. Uh, I'm also going to be working on a promo. That's coming. Still working on the stand up comedy podcast. Uh, I, I've decided that Suck Radio is not going to work. And the reason for that is because of the feedback that I'm getting from comedians. Now, to be honest with you, I really liked Suck Radio, but it looks like to me not enough people are going to be able to think outside the box. If I can't get comedians to buy into it, then I'm going to have a hell of a time finding advertisers. So the new name of my show is going to be called The Laugh Out Loud Show. I'm going to be moving the the podcast from suckradio.com to lolshow.com. I'll keep you posted on all of that. As far as my uh, sex reassignment uh, surgery, my SRS update, I'm still fighting the good fight. Uh, the the, uh, the surgeon, Doctor Kamal, has not replied to my to the request from my friend who's acting on my behalf. So what I'm going to end up doing is sending a heartfelt letter to them through email. And if they don't reply to my heartfelt letter, then I'm going to start fighting. Basically, what I'm going to end up doing is contacting every transgender organization, every AIDS organization in the country and around the world. And I'm going to generate an email campaign. And I'm going to put pressure on them to not only accept me for SRS at the same rate they charge everyone else, but also to accept all HIV-positive transgender people because what they're doing is wrong. I also received an uh, insurance check for my mom's death. So what that means is if I have to, I can afford to get my surgery done here in the United States. It's gonna cost me a lot more money to get it done here. I don't think the care will be as good. And I probably won't be able to get uh, breast enhancement or get an Adam's adiple reduction. So, I'm going to be making some huge sacrifices, but what I've decided is I am not going to pay their ridiculous premiums and let them discriminate against me because I'm HIV positive. I'm hoping that I don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to stand on principle, but I'm willing to do it. So, wish me luck on this fight. I haven't given up yet. I really do want to go to Thailand, but it's going to be a long battle. I had a discussion with Aswad about the movie Brokeback Mountain. I've mentioned him before in the show, and I'll play that discussion for you now. Tranny Rick listeners, uh, this is Aswad. I've mentioned him several times uh, on the show. He has uh, emailed me all kinds of stories to talk about. And now... He is finally on the show uh, joining us. Aswad, thank you for joining me.
6: Oh, I'm very happy to be here.
0: And uh, before we get started talking about uh, Brokeback Mountain, I just want to tell all of you that it was Aswad. We used to work together at an employer, which we shall not mention on the show. No, Uh, we shall not. (laughs) uh, He was the one who told me about... Uh, indie ca- indie podcasting uh, specifically uh, queer podcasts uh, and uh, that's how I found out about gender talk which uh, uh, eventually led me to start tranny rec so a swad you are solely responsible for tranny rec how does that feel
6: <laughs> there's a compliment in there somewhere I'm just not sure where
0: well, maybe 10 years from now we'll decide whether that's a compliment or an insult <laughs> we'll That'll let the work. listeners decide so Swad uh, I haven't told my listeners a lot about you so I'll let you uh, share whatever you want with our listeners about who you are and uh, then we'll uh, talk about uh, Brokeback Mountain
6: well I'm an, uh, I'm an African-American gay male. Like she said, I met Becca at a job that will forever remain nameless. <laughs> and um, we hung out together because uh, we had a lot in common. As an African-American gay male, um, we kind of bonded over shared oppressions um, as, a tra- as a transgendered person. I could see where she was coming from, and as an African-American gay male, she could see where I was coming from, so we just kind of bonded over that, over that and lunch.
0: Automatically. I, I don't know what I bonded with you more, the food or the, our uh, our uh, outcast status.
6: <laughs> I think it was both. After a while, nobody would have lunch with us.
7: <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs>
6: But it was, um, I'm really getting to like Portland except for the past couple of days.
7: Oh, no shit.
6: Reminds me of the East Coast.
7: And,
0: well, um. Not to cut you off, but, Tranny Rock listeners, uh, we went through about six weeks of stereotypical Northwest weather, weather where it rains every day. Um, right now it's not raining, it's nice and sunny, but it's colder than fuck. <laughs>
6: <laughs> to be specific, 26 degrees. Oh,
0: God, it's cold right now. But, uh, you know, those of up in Montana are probably calling us wussies, so, oh yeah, well. Yeah,
6: probably so, <laughs> probably so.
0: Anyway, go ahead.
6: But um, I've just really gotten, this is my beginning of my second year in Portland. Um, I kind of like the rain. I like the rain. I think it's very comforting.
7: It
6: cleans and the air. Cleans the air, beautiful green trees here, mm-hmm. all types of amazing birds. Um, I find the public transportation to be excellent. Uh And the job situation's been a little sketchy, but I've been very lucky. And I have a beautiful, warm, cozy apartment for me and my cat, Miss Juju, where we're very happy and comfy. Right now we're curled up cozy, warm in bed after this ice-cold day. And a few weeks ago, actually it was last month, I had a day off, and I went to see Brokeback Mountain. Nice. And I have to say... It was easily one of the most beautiful films I've seen in years. I think the only thing that will top it will be Memories of a Geisha when I see that next month on DVD. Okay. And given the time period, I wasn't really surprised that I saw no black people in it. Because given the time, I think it's it's supposed to be in Wyoming or something. Wyoming, yeah.
0: I think there's... there's, uh... Uh, Now, I haven't seen the movie yet. Uh, You know, I want to see it, but, you know, it's interesting because everybody who identifies as a gay male that's seen the movie absolutely loves it. Obviously, I think the movie speaks to to gay men more than it uh, has anyone else. Uh, Some of the people that uh, I guess you would consider, you know, in the mainstream community... Uh, I like they've liked the movie, but they thought the plot was a little bit uh weak. They thought the acting was great, but the plot uh could have been a little bit better. And I, and I'm wondering if that's just because of the differing perspectives. Maybe maybe a lack of understanding on their part about uh you know uh gay you know gay men. I don't know. What do you think about that?
6: I think what, what I also find, because I've read a lot about the movie, uh-huh. and what I'm also finding is that differs between genders and generations. Uh-huh. Because the younger generation that's been raised on will and grace and queer as folk, they're just like, well, why didn't they just get to the ranch together and be happy? I don't understand.
7: Yeah.
6: Whereas the senior generations who really know what that was about in that day understood they, there was no way they could be together. In that time period, as two men living together on a ranch without any women or children, without raising suspicion. Mm
7: -hmm.
6: It It just was not done. The older generation seems to understand that, and the younger generation, having been raised on gay liberation since the 80s, they don't understand that.
0: That's very interesting uh, perspective. See, uh, I, I have always enjoyed uh, talking with you, Aswad. We had just some of the most wonderful uh, lunch conversations that scared the hell out of everyone else.
6: But, just, yes,
0: yes. <laughs> but see, which I, was half the
6: fun, of course. I,
0: absolutely, but you know, I, I think the thing that I, I just love talking to you because not only. Yeah, we while we do bond because both of us are despised really by the general public in different ways, your perspective being uh you know a little bit older than me and uh, being a person of color uh, is is you know has taught me a lot and has just gave gave me it gives me a a, a fresh perspective on the discrimination that I'm
6: facing yeah. And, and I don't have the added burden that you have of being HIV positive. Oh,
0: well, you know, thank God. <laughs> I listen to your show
6: every week, and I listen to I listen to Keep Up With Your Progress. I listen to this show since day one, uh-huh. and I'm very proud of you for keeping up with it and the progress you've made with it. It's a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Tranny Rec has been the most stressful joy in my life because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm using a lot of freeware programs that... You know, tend to crash, and you know I'll be working for an hour, and yeah. where you know on the show, and I, I'll forget to save just because I'll be so intensely focused on what I'm doing, and then everything will crash on me, and all the work I just did in the past hour is gone, and it's like, good damn motherfucking son of a bitch! I think that's, the <laughs> I, I think that's the most, I think that's the most cuss words I've said in a row on this show. And, in that's a road, saying, yes. and that's saying something.
6: <laughs> and that's saying something. But, and and uh, I will
0: say. Was there anything else you wanted to say about Brokeback Mountain? You kind of oh, were alluding to the, 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 the racial element or the lack thereof in the film. Actually. Um, do you think there's a reason for that? Do you think. I mean, I, I'm not sure our society's ready for a movie about black gay men. Uh, which well, is unfortunate, but... <laughs> which is
6: unfortunate. What's What's funny about the racial element in this specific case, it didn't matter.
7: Uh-huh.
6: For the simple reason of the locale and the time period of the story, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. The fact that there was, from beginning to end, not one black person passed the screen.
7: Mm-hmm. I can
6: honestly say that. If they did, I missed them. So given the time period and the location that it's supposed to be, I understood that. Come the, by the end of the movie, I understood. Okay, I can understand that. There's not going to be any black people in that area of the war, of the country during that time period, or at least not in a non-segregated situation, which they wouldn't have been focusing on anyway. Okay. What? I, and I listened to your review of um, Transamerica.
7: Uh-huh.
6: Or your, should I say your review of the reviews of Transamerica? My America. review
0: of some and of I, the very interesting reviews of the Transamerica. Yeah, go ahead.
6: No, oh, I have. I, I, I don't disagree. I do have something to say about the about this the quote unquote how to wa- how to watch Brokeback Mountain guides for straight men. Uh huh. Do you know how many articles there have been like that?
0: Oh really?
6: There's been a pl- a huge plethora of them.
0: How to watch men and what? Uh, yeah, and that's interesting. What what are they saying?
6: Basically, the article is about. If you're a woman, and usually it's your woman, if your woman wants you to go see straight Brokeback Mountain and you're a straight guy and you want to appear cool and hip, blah, 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 um, here's a gu- here's a ten-point guide or a five-whatever-it-is guide on how to get through it unscathed.
0: Without turning gay.
7: <laughs> that's so a, yeah, that's the implication.
0: How to watch Brokeback Mountain without becoming gay yourself because we know that, God, once you see those men fucking... Uh it's it's just going to turn you on and you're going to be gay. Everybody's going to stop uh uh having, you know, straight people will stop ha, stop having sex with each other. You know, mm-hmm. we we won't have any more kids and everybody will die off because homosexuality is so goddamn tempting. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: whatever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you and and you haven't seen the movie, but there's one "quote unquote" sex scene in it. Uh-huh that lasts about, oh, I don't know, seven seconds, uh-huh. and you really don't see anything. I mean, you really don't see anything. You see more on Queer as Folk. <laughs> nice. As well, far as, quote, man-on-man sex.
0: Damn, well, I don't want to go see the movie now. Shit, I was, thinking, I was, hoping, <laughs> I was hoping for a porn. I was going to bring, you know, the, the lube and everything. Oh, my. You know, set out a cot and just invite all kind of people, have a broke back mountain orgy. Shit. There you go. I don't even want to see it now. I, I, I want, I have one more question. I just heard about this in the news today. And so uh-huh. this is going to be a verbatim quote. Did you hear about Brian, uh, Gumbel's, you know who Brian Gumble is, right? He's, uh, I think he's on, uh, he was, he was on HBO. He made some comment about the lack of, uh, African American uh, at- athletes in the Winter Olympics, and oh uh, yes, and and I thought that was quite interesting because I'm I listen to sports talk radio, which you, oh. you already know I'm a sports mm-hmm. freak, and oh, yeah. uh, it, it's interesting that the it seems to be the media reaction. What what Brian Gumble basically said was that you know verbatim it's it's a shame that there are no black athletes you know these people call themselves the best athletes in the world but there are no black people among them and yeah. he's getting a lot of flack for that and i and let me tell you coming from an an ignorant white trans woman uh <laughs> the, what i think he's saying i believe he's basically saying that uh black people you know, to, 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 train for the Winter Olympics, first of all, it takes a lot of money. Yes, and it does. to take, you know, to have a lot of money, you've got to be in a place of privilege. Yes, and, you do. uh, that's not something that historically, privilege and opportunity is not something that has historically been available to, uh, people of color really all over the world. And, uh, so you know up until recently uh and i say very recently like in the last 10 years uh you know has a, a african american middle class developed uh which you know i'm very impressed uh with any uh african american that's been able to succeed in today's society cuz I still think there's a you know a lot going uh, against anybody that's not white. So, and that's why I think there are not a lot of uh, uh, Olymp- Olympians of color in the Winter Olympics. And I kind of wanted to, since you speak for all black people, I wanted to get your <laughs> your comment, your, your opinion on that.
6: It's very that's a very interesting point. And what's really funny about that is there was a front page article. On the San Francisco Chronicle's website just this week that addressed Uh that exact question,
7: Uh
6: and the the people quoted in there were quoted as saying that there's you just stated most of it that there's you need to be in a certain income bracket, you need to be in a certain locale. Um, Not a lot of black people have a mountain to go ski down every weekend. (laughs) You know, well,
0: and, and and most, and, and uh, I would assume most of them don't want to go to Utah to do that.
6: <laughs> not really. Um, and most inner cities, I can't speak from experience because I myself was raised in the suburbs.
7: Uh-huh. But most
6: inner cities, to my knowledge, are not ski slope intensive
7: <laughs> or even
6: ski slope adjacent. Uh-huh. You know, and a lot of black people, and I will say this as a black person, when you go into an all-white arena. It's very intimidating.
0: Oh, I can imagine.
6: You know, I, where I, these white kids have been doing this since junior high school and they're old hands at it, but they're only 20 years old, and you're walking in here uh, with your new ski booties on and your new ski suit on thinking you're the baddest thing on the block, and they look at you like you're some sort of Martian.
0: Well, yeah, because, I, you know, it would be like me going into some... Uh, it would like like me you know, being a driver in NASCAR or some shit like that, you know. It's like, oh, scary. Yeah,
6: you the, know, the, to and, my knowledge, there's only one woman NASCAR driver and one black male NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and and I'll tell you, uh, the, the media is attacking Brian Gumbel. Like, he's trying to say, you know, that, that they're interpreting it like Brian Gumbel is... Telling the people who control the Olympics that they're a bunch of racists and that they don't want, uh, you know, white people, er, uh, I'm sorry, they don't want black people involved. And, and I don't think it's that at all. In today's age, when uh, the accusation of racism is uh, cast, most white people automatically assume racism means hatred of black people. We, exactly. but what they don't understand what you know we don't understand is that uh it's institutionalized and that's what Brian Gumble was talking about Brian Gumbel wasn't accusing the Olympic committee of hating black people exactly. you know but that's how most white people interpret stuff like that oh Brian Gumble you're just playing the race card no you know he's pointing out a, a problem that we, as white society, wants to pretend it's not
6: there. Exactly. Brian exactly. Gumble is just the messenger being k- killed for bringing the truth. Yeah, exactly. That's well, Scott,
0: uh, was there anything else you would like to uh, tell our listeners?
6: Um, yeah, just enjoy Making Tranny Wreck. I listen to it every week. Go See Brokeback Mountain. Don't listen to what straight people have to say. let me rephrase that. Don't listen to what straight men have to say about Brokeback Mountain.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Go see
6: it. It's a beautiful movie. It's an incredible love story. Yes, it has a tragic ending, but it's a realistic ending. uh uh-huh. yeah. People people have had a problem with the ending, especially women who always want to see, you know, the two guys, the two people in love whether they be two a man and a woman or two men go off into the sunset and be happy together but the fact of the matter is that the ending of Brokeback Mountain, Broke, yeah, Brokeback Mountain is completely realistic it's painful but it's realistic
0: well I'll tell you what I'll do if any training Rec listeners if any uh, if any training wreck listeners want to contact you I will have them email me and I will forward the message on to you and Thank then you. you can decide you know whether you want to reply to that or not
6: Thank you. I'd appreciate
0: that. And uh, I'll be I'll be your filter, bitch.
6: <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, thank you.
0: You have a wonderful, cozy evening. Stay out of that cold shit.
6: Oh, I'm, I'm out tonight. I'm cuddled up tonight, and then we're done.
0: I got another email from Katrine. Uh, the gist of that email was that she enjoyed my discussion about... The hateful reviews of Transamerica, and uh, she just says my frankness and honesty, quote unquote, is very refreshing. Did you know, Katrine, that I've been lying the last 15 shows? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Got an email from uh, Susan Moses from the Talking Tranny Show uh, complimenting me on the website. Uh, she really likes the new look of it. Appreciate that, Susan, and uh, again, I would encourage all of you to check out uh, trannyrec.com. I've done a lot of work on it, and I'm hoping it's a little bit more user-friendly.
8: Hey, Becky, how are you? It's Joe. Uh, Okay, it doesn't matter if your uh, new podcast, the comedy one, starts in about a month. I'll wait, no big deal. Uh, I'm sorry about the remark I made about crying when you pass away. I, I didn't know how to spell the word, so I simply used another word. What I should have what I really meant was that I will be real depressed when you do pass away. But since you're younger than I am, I guess I'll be waiting for you at the gates of heaven when you do pass away. If there is such a place which I pretty doubted. Anyway, uh I really don't know what to say, I'm not much of a talker. Uh, wish you luck in your new podcasting, and I hope you hit gold with this one. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye. Bye, kiddo. I love the way you curse.
0: I don't fucking curse. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Jesus fucking Christ. Joe, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, If you want to leave a voicemail, 503-608-7363. He was commenting basically about, he would sent me an email a while back, basically uh, all sad after I disclosed my HIV status, thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe he's thinking I was going to die soon. And, uh, you know, I kind of corrected him on that, stating that, well... I mean, if I'm younger than him, then uh, I'm going to outlive him, so, <laughs> at least, that's the idea, generally, is if you're, whoever is older than you is supposed to die first, but, well, we all know that doesn't happen that way. Just to kind of give you an idea of what's happening in upcoming shows, I plan on interviewing every Trans FM host. Uh, I'll probably just do one host per show, uh, so you're not listening to just nothing but interviews. Um, But that'll give you a good idea of what else is out there as far as uh, what I would call the transgender media. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Topics for future shows. Uh, I'm going to do a show about gender roles and how I fit into that, including uh, why I changed my voice and now choose to talk something like a woman. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll delve deep into that, including all the stereotypes and uh, passing and so forth. Uh, So yeah, that'll be my gender role show. I'm also going to do a show about suicide, considering how often it happens in the gay, lesbian, bi, and trans community. And uh, obviously, uh, that hits pretty close to home with my mom, uh, committing suicide a few months ago. So stay tuned. Uh, there's a lot coming up, and I'm really excited. I'm going to do a show every single week for the upcoming time period. Uh, if I do take a ra- take a break, it's because of burnout, but uh, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Andrew uh, in Virginia. He uh, messaged me on... AOL Insta Messenger, and we had a wonderful discussion. And it's uh, discussions with people like Andrew uh, really uh, keep this show going because it makes it all worth it. I love all of you. We're going to go ahead and close this uh, show out with a song on the PodSafe Music Network. This is by Brother Love, who is another very popular artist. And the name of the song is There She Goes.
3: real nice